Father, again, we want to thank you so much how you uh, continue to lead us and guide us and strengthen us, Lord God, and love upon us, Lord. And Lord God, you uh, even desire to uh, speak to our souls. Whereas today, Lord God, we continue on the message that we began last week, Lord God. Let us uh, dovetail the two messages together uh, so we can remember what is it that you're trying to get across to us, Lord. Uh, so, Father, we avail ourselves uh, to be willing, ready, and able, Lord God, to walk in obedience towards you. So, Father, you have your way in our midst today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you please uh, turn with me to Philemon chapter 1, verse 10. Philemon 1, 10. As a matter of fact, let's just go ahead and, and begin again with verse 8. Philemon, verse 8. In the passage it reads, Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner, also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion but of your own accord. Amen. Today, uh, we pick up where we left off from the last message, which deals with this letter Paul wrote to fellow believer named Philemon. In the message, we were able to understand the complexities of trying to convince someone of doing the right thing in regards to another person. The issue at hand was, as you recall, Philemon's slave had somehow run away, maybe had done something wrong in the process. So while away, he met uh, this Onesimus, he met the Apostle Paul, who led him to Christ, thereby changing that slave, Onesimus, his entire outlook on life. Why? Because now he knows Jesus Christ. Come to find out that that runaway slave met Paul while Paul himself was imprisoned because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the focus of our message, as we found out last time, is decision-making by engaging the heart through the gospel. So decision-making 
by engaging the heart through the gospel. And again, as with any biblical story, there's often plenty of biblical lessons to learn. One of those lessons that we learn is how do we encourage someone else to make a decision, right? Based on the common thread of the good news of Jesus. It's always uh, easier to get someone to make a decision uh, when you have something in common, when there is a common tie between the two of you. It's easier to get in there, as we heard. But even though this is the case, All that we know about Jesus, all that we know about ourselves, and all that we know about others, it still does not guarantee success. Doesn't always mean that uh, just because I followed a a, a biblical model in helping someone make a decision, that they will do what needs to be done. So why this message in the first place? We need this message because... It provides a biblical method, a a way of dealing with very complex interpersonal relational issues. You know what I mean? In, in, In other words, when we encounter other folks, there's always stuff that's going on. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We're always dealing to one, with one degree or another, with folks. Sometimes we don't want to go to our job because why? Because there are some things that are going on. You you, you don't want to go today. I don't feel like it because you know that if you go today, you know you're going to have to fight today. You know that you may have to convince someone to do something that they don't want to do for the organization. You know, you have to deal with that personality again, and you just, you you, you get tired of it. So I believe with this letter to Philemon that, that the Holy Spirit encouraged Paul to pen these words which help us to help others make certain decisions. Now, one thing I want you to know that this is not a psychological approach to dealing with folks. Amen? This is not wrapped up in psychology. Right? Uh, Even as I said those words, I think about the tons and tons of psychology classes that I took. How do you deal with, you know, four-year-olds? How do you deal with 10-year-olds? How do you deal with a a 17-year-old? How do you deal with adults? You, you, You know those classes that you have to take? Right? All this theory that you have to take and you, you do all these case studies. Well, this right here is not wrapped up in populism or a psychological view. This is all written uh, via the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul to teach us a lesson. So total dependence upon the Lord is required of us every step of the way. So last time we heard about, uh, very uh, quickly, we heard about the when and the when not to use our position or our titles in the decision-making process. 
We see and we've heard this that regularly that people appeal to their title that you have to do what I do. Why? Because I am who I am. Right? I am, I am your boss. I am your manager. I am the lieutenant. I am the colonel. I am the president, the vice president. You, name, you need to do what I tell you to do because of my title. We found out that the problem with that is that even though that you may comply, the relationship oftentimes becomes more strained in the process. So while there may be obedience during that process, the relationship oftentimes becomes very damaged. We also recall last time how Paul was in a different season of life, and we read that earlier. He was now wiser. Why was Paul wiser? He said there in verse 9, why? He says, I, Paul, an old man. So Paul had seen a lot. He had confronted demons. He had confronted Christians who wanted to fall back on their Jewish heritage. He confronted a church that was teetering on apostasy in its lifestyle. But now Paul says here in verse 9, he says, I, Paul, he admits it freely that I have a gray hair in my head. And there is less years in front of me than what was behind me. But like Paul, knowing which season of life that we are in, it helps us and gives us wisdom and guidance on how to deal with folks. And then we heard about uh, the fact that authentic personal connections are very effective. Uh, sometimes, uh, of course, titles get in the way, uh, but uh, the more you get a chance to know someone, the better the relationship can be. Can you say amen to that? So one of the first steps is to try to know who that person is just on their own terms. And I know that, you know, some folks are just, just really, really bad sinners. But sometimes... It's required for us to know those bad sinners. Amen? As a matter of fact, I'm going to be very honest with you. You know, sometimes when I'm talking to people, you know, I, I do want to hear it. I don't tell them I'm a pastor, you know. That comes like, for, like, like way at the end of the conversation. But at the beginning of the conversation, I don't tell them. Why? Because I want them to see for themselves when I finally talk to them how depraved they really are. But see, if, if you tell them that you're this, that, and the other, then what happens is they have a tendency uh, to kind of hold back and not be themselves. But I want them to be themselves. You know, I, I believe that people, when they met Jesus Christ, they didn't hold back on him. I mean, come on, we know they didn't hold back on him because what did they tell Jesus? Uh, We're going to kill you. That's not holding back. So therefore, it, it requires for us you know, sometimes to get to know folks. We have to know them on their own terms. And, and then we can bring in righteousness and holiness in the conversation because we have to take them from point A to point B. So here Paul penned this letter to Philemon, having this relationship with Philemon. But also the good thing is that he had the relationship with Onesimus as well. So he had good standing with both parties. So now we move on in getting biblical guidance 
when decision-making by engaging the heart through the gospel. So the next thing that we need to do as we walk through this process, we've heard about not appealing to our titles, right? We've heard the other things, right? But we should be able to appeal to the spiritual sensibilities of a person who is in Christ Jesus, especially on important matters, right? So in other words, uh, what I'm saying is that, see, 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 Paul was able to appeal to Philemon. Why? Because Philemon was a Christian, you see? Uh, but, but you're saying is, but how do I help a person make a decision who's not a Christian? And we'll, we'll get there in a second. But here with Philemon, uh, Paul uh, had to appeal to uh, Philemon's spiritual sensibilities. So Paul could appeal to Philemon out of love because this is exactly what Jesus would have done. So it appears that Paul learned and he began to move more and more in love with people uh, the closer that he made it to the finish line. Again, we think about what is really important at the end of the day that uh, uh, we can talk a lot of stuff and we can boast plenty of things. But again, when we begin to understand and see that there's less time in front of us, our priorities begin to change. We begin, at least we should, right? We begin to love more. That we never want to make it to this place that uh, we, we, we get to a, a certain location in our uh, our life, and it's like, that's it. There's nothing else. You see, all of us are like an onion. You're like an onion. I'm like an onion. Well, you say, what do you mean we're like an onion? Are you saying that we're all stinky? Well, I, yeah, well, well, probably. We all stink. Come on. Because, you know, we, we go through our ritual every morning, right? And we try to cover up that, that stinkiness every single morning. And every morning we repeat that process over. So yeah, we are kind of like an onion. But we are like an onion in another way. Because there's issues about us that God, he brings to our attention. And just like an onion, if you've ever cooked with an onion, the first thing that you want to do is do what? You want to begin to peel the outside out, off, right? And as soon as you get that outside, that, uh, that flaky, crispy exterior off, you pull one layer off, and then you notice oftentimes that there's more, isn't there? And depending on how, upon how old your onion is, amen, uh, you may have to peel that layer off. So what God does to us as we hear the Word of God repeatedly, He's constantly pointing to one issue in your life, and He's constantly pointing to an issue in my life saying, you need to address this, let's peel this back. You see, this is the reason why, if you've ever uh, experienced my preaching and my teaching, this is why oftentimes there's so much conviction. It's, it, it's not that, you know, uh, that, that I'm a mean person because I'm a very lovable person, right, honey? She says, yes, right. I'm a very lovable person. It's not because of that. It's, it's, 
It's only because God, he's trying to pull things off of us. He's trying to point to this. And you see, if you don't pull it off completely, and then what God says, then okay, since you don't want to deal with it now, we'll have to come back to it later. And then when God comes back to it later, instead of it just being one layer that God wants to peel off, now he's pulling off two layers. And we already know that the one layer hurts. But when God pulls off two layers at a time, oh my goodness. Boy, does it hurt. So we're kind of like that. This is why this message has come into play. And that God, he wants us to perk up and pay attention. Listen to what thus says the Lord. So Paul was acting as Jesus would have and, and therefore was praying that Philemon would also act with the same godly consistency. In other words, uh, Paul says, in other words, here I am, I am an example because I am following Christ. In other words, Paul says, follow me as I follow whom? Christ. Uh, try it one more time. Follow me as I follow Christ. So if I don't follow Christ, then you should not do what? Follow me, right? But Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. This is what Paul says. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Paul says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. See, there it is, right there. He says that I want you to follow me as I follow Christ. Now, if it just so happened, if I do bad stuff, uh-uh, don't you follow that, uh-uh, because that's not the way that Christ would live, but uh, you imitate me. I, I, I believe the Greek word is mimetai, right, which means to mimic, right? Act the same way that I act as I act and follow Jesus. And this is possible for you and for me and all of God's children. And this is not uh, some type of uh, mantra uh, that we recite for positive thinking. Oh, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow. This is a great thing to recite. No, no, no. This is the reality of those who have a desire to please God. Yes, follow me as I follow Christ. But then there is Paul's appeal to Philemon because of his leadership in Christ. What do I mean? Well, there, there was a church gathering in Philemon's house. Right? Look at uh, Philemon 1, verses 1 and 2. Look at this. It says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Athia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house house. You see that? So uh, there was a church that was gathering in Philemon's house. What does that tell you about Philemon? That should say something. Why was Philemon a leader in the church or at least allowed a church to have their service in his home? Why? Because of what verse 5 says. What does verse 5 say? It says because of the, his love and faith 
towards Jesus and what? All the saints. These are aspects of a person we can appeal to. When they love Jesus Christ, we can appeal to them. You love Jesus, you should respond this way. This helps them to make a godly decision. So by recognizing their love and faith in Christ, then there is an appeal, or there should be an appeal to the gospel. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. Paul says this to the Ephesians. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is where we should look for our hope and strength. Where? To Christ. Yet notice Paul in Philemon that he did not initially appeal uh, to love in his letter, uh, but only and also only in, indirectly brought in Jesus in the process. No, Paul was firmly established and anchored in Jesus Christ. Don't get me wrong. In other words, Paul didn't simply come out in his letter and say, you know what, uh, you should walk in love, Philemon, just as Jesus did. So go ahead and release Onesimus today, period. You know, Paul didn't do that. Maybe that would have tipped, if he would have been so direct, that would have tipped Philemon in the wrong direction by causing Philemon to say to Paul, maybe, right? Uh, who do you think you are? You, Mr. Johnny, come lately. All of a sudden, you come, on the, uh, you come on the scene and you're trying to tell me to release Onesimus. No, Paul did not take that route. He was trying to take the route of love. So how do you know which approach to use, though? How do you know? Because, come on, let's face it. You and I know that oftentimes we are in situations where we have to have the direct appeal. We have to say, yes, you need to do this, or no, you need to stop doing this. There is no time, there is no, uh, there is no place for you to operate out of love. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that uh, a police officer being on the street and he sees two people fighting, right? And they're going at it and he walks out to them and say, brothers, brothers, let me appeal to you out of love. That if I wanted to, I could point to my badge and say, looky, looky here. Would that be an appropriate time? No, absolutely not. You have to get in there. And you have to make a decision fast and right away. But other times, and this is what I'm talking about, and this is what Paul is talking about. He's talking about these other times in which we should appeal out of love. So how do we know if we don't know when to, how to deal with the situation? We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That means that if you know you have to get into a situation, the first thing you need to do is you need to appeal to God. You need to say, Lord, help me. I don't know how to deal with this situation because you've been there before, right? You've been there before that the situation has been hard. The decisions have been hard. And what do you do? Do you just, you know, push your way in? Or do you first say, Lord, help me. Help me to decide what I need to do. So it appears that 
as we know that Philemon, that he had a right to do whatever he thought best with Onesimus. Why? Recall uh, that, remember that we were saying that we believe that Onesimus was probably enslaved because of debt. That he owed money. Right? And this was the reason why Onesimus was enslaved. And he could get himself out of bondage if he what? Did first if he paid himself out of bondage, but he couldn't do that. That's why he was still there. So Paul, he was sensitive. He was sensitive to this fact. And I believe his sensitivity came uh, not only through the Holy Spirit, but also because of experience and also because of his age now. That God had given him wisdom. So according to Paul, Onesimus was serving him in the gospel while he was in prison. Therefore, Onesimus was representing Philemon for Christ. Paul? What? Therefore, Onesimus was representing Philemon for Christ. But wait a minute, I thought you said Onesimus had run away from Philemon. Yes, I did say that. Philemon, verse 13, please. Philemon, verse 13. Paul says this about uh, about Onesimus. I would have been glad to keep him with me. Talking about Onesimus. In order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. So Paul was looking at this a different way. Paul was saying Onesimus was representing Philemon in prison for the sake of Christ. Interesting thing about uh, this whole Philemon deal, and uh, you may have heard this last week in in, in the last message, was that uh, Philemon would not only be present when this letter was delivered, so this is, this is not what, what happened, right? That Paul didn't send the letter ahead, and then sometime later, I believe, that then Philemon, uh, then Onesimus shows up. That Onesimus, he had a dual responsibility. Number one, that Onesimus was present when the letter to the Colossians were delivered. If you look in uh, Colossians chapter 4, you'll see Onesimus name there, that he was present there when it was, when it was written and, and probably when the letter was delivered. So uh, Philemon, it looks like he, he lived in Colossae. So Onesimus was present when the letter was delivered to the Colossians, and then he was present when the letter was delivered to Philemon. Go figure. So Paul was really sensitive. But Paul also understood this, most fascinating. He understood that finding someone uh, and being someone who is faithful in the spread of the gospel is not an easy task. You see, there's always plenty of people to go to the house church, amen? There's always plenty of people to come and spectate to see the Jesus show on Sunday. But the question is, uh, how many people would dedicate their lives? And I'm not just saying being full-time ministry per se. How many people would dedicate their lives for telling others about Jesus Christ all the time? Face it, it requires dedication and commitment, right? You know, even for someone who is in full-time ministry, you know, ministry is a full-time thing. Amen? Amen. Uh, 
Everywhere I go, most of, most of my friends, and you know, have tons of friends, most of them already know that I'm a pastor. And typically what happens is, regardless of where I go, uh, whether it's a concert, it, it doesn't make a difference. Uh, oftentimes someone will seek me out for counseling. They ask me, you know, I'm going through this, what do you think about this? I'm going through this. So it's never one of those things necessarily, and this is a good thing, and I love it, right? And, and, but for all of us, it should be true. All of us should have the wisdom of God that people should seek us out because we give good wisdom that comes from on high. Amen? Amen. But being dedicated and committed to the gospel, I mean, solely requires a special person. Amen? It is a commitment which more than likely means you will have to expect disdain, contempt, persecution, and even mocking at times. A book I'm currently reading is, is entitled The Insanity of God. And the author is Nick Ripkin. He tells a story about his faith from sinner to minister, which he, according to him, it all happened at the same time. So he was an unbeliever, and he had a... Uh, had a Damascus Road experience in which uh, he came to Christ, and at that same time, God called him straight to the ministry. So in this book, he tells various stories, and he says after finishing Bible college that he looked for many opportunities to serve. And he was first beginning to think that God had called him to a pastor. He found out, no, that was not the case. And he found himself of all places in Somaliland. This is back in the 90s. In Hargeisa and Mogadishu. But you see, initially though, he somehow wanted to, uh, he, he was born and raised in Kentucky. Right? But he was drawn to missions, especially one day he heard uh, uh, this one missionary speak and after the missionary spoke, he went to this missionary and he said, let me get this straight. You mean to tell me that I can go on foreign trips and spread the gospel and get paid at the same time? You know what he said, right? Sign me up. So where did he end up at? Somaliland. So a very long story. But he says this, he says, on the front lines for Christ in Somaliland, he saw firsthand what destruction and what evil was. There he said he witnessed the hopelessness of people who had absolutely nothing. And he says that when I mean nothing, they have nothing. I mean, what, do you, what comes to your mind when you think about not having anything. Do you, you, you think about, uh, I don't have a cell phone? Of course they don't have that. Do you think about uh, not having uh, video games? Of course they didn't have that. But it'll really get rough if I don't have a television. Of course they didn't have televisions. What about um, a house to live in? Here you go. Here's, here's one better for you. What about no food? 
Here's another one. What about no water? He says that, I guess because the government troops could not tell who was who, and those who were committing guerrilla warfare could not tell who was who, that oftentimes when they would go into the villages, what they would do is, when there was a well there, they would basically dismantle it and put down rocks. Now, these are their own people. Put down rocks and sand and dirt down there so they could no longer have access to clean drinking water. So what do you do when you have nothing? What do you do when 75% of your country just disappears? What do you do when there's dead bodies all over the place? They had neither food, water, no roof over their head, nor security. They lived their lives in the open. This is what he meant when he says nothing. In fact, oftentimes their lives would be required of them. Uh, by some of the uh, guerrilla soldiers that were in the area, uh, he says that there was one day in which it was declared a ceasefire. And um, he says it was, it was a Thursday, and uh, he spoke to one of the soldiers. And he asked the soldier, he says, well, how long will you guys continue to fight? He says, just until the end of the day. He says, what do you mean? Well, we fight until the end of the day, and tomorrow we no longer fight. He says, well, why? He says, because tomorrow we go to the mosque and we pray. He says, but today is Thursday. So on Thursday, we fight. Where do you start? Where do you start to share Jesus when everyone walks around in a daze? This final story I have to tell you. He says in Mogadishu, which was even worse than Hargeisa, he says this. He says it was, it was so bad that one time he saw a convoy of government soldiers coming with what uh, looked like supply trucks and just long, a uh, long line of, of trucks. And they come. And he says, this is the first, day. there was nothing at the market practically. So they come. He says, look like finally uh, these people, they finally will have some type of relief. So the soldiers, they come and they start uh, unloading the boxes off the truck. And then the people from the surrounding villages, they hear about it, and they're coming with anything that they can find to barter for those things. They want to take the stuff that they have, uh, from wires to uh, old television sets. You know, of course, they don't have electricity. They don't have running water. But whatever they have, they're coming to the soldiers, and they're saying, will you take this for what's in the box? And some of the soldiers would say, yes. So the soldiers would take whatever they want to give to them, and they would reach in the box and hand the individual a package. You know what that packet was? It was a drug. It was not food. It was not water. This is why so many of the people walked around in the days. Because when you have nothing, what do you have left? But if I drug myself, 
then maybe I'll forget about everything around. It's uh, something that was made from one of the roots of the plants there. I can't remember the name. I think it's called gnat or something like that. This was the journey that Nick Ripken went on for Jesus Christ. So when someone steps up to the plate and wants to be involved, uh, then we do encourage them. We also prepare them, but we encourage them in the ministry and the realities of the gospel. Paul says this, verse 11 of Philemon, he says, formerly concerning Onesimus, he was useless to you. In other words, Philemon, you can't do anything with Onesimus previously. He says, but now he is indeed useful both to you and to me. Think about us for a moment. We're all useless to Christ before we were saved. But now we all are useful. Are you useful to Christ? Are you useful to Christ? Do we have a useful mindset or a useless mindset? I believe we all have the right mindset if we're in Christ, but we must be encouraged to tap into the Holy Spirit's strength to live a purposeful existence. Onesimus was helping Paul while he was in prison for the sake of the gospel. So the plan was to send Onesimus back to Philemon uh, so Philemon could do whatever he wanted. My very heart. But Paul wanted Philemon to know that he was not just sending a person back, but he was sending his heart. If you are like the way I was, you might ask yourself, uh, why would Paul send back a slave, right? Uh, but Paul took the long view. Paul thought about Jesus and the gospel. If this was so, then the Lord would provide a way for Onesimus. The possibilities of the furtherance of the gospel is absolutely astounding when, a trust, when entrusted to someone who's passionate about Jesus. Proverbs 25 and 13. Proverbs 25, 13 says, like the cold of snow in the time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him. He refreshes the soul of his masters. So Onesimus had a deep impact on the life of Paul. That once difficult, Paul now has a much more loving heart towards people. You know, Paul, uh, he had a lot of decisions that he needed to make, and he needed to move quickly. Having that key person change their mind is absolutely crucial. Again, beginning back in verse 12, I'm going to read through 16 this time. I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this, is, this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, he says, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how uh, much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord, he says, so Paul, he, he prayed that Philemon would be able to look carefully 
at this situation and act in a, in a way that would be beneficial to Jesus. I know this is, for some people, this is a tough sell. I know when people are acting up, it's a tough sell to, to tell them to look to Jesus. Look to the reason that you're here. I know that it's tough. So it was Philemon who was holding all the cards. The entire situation hinged upon the answer Philemon would give to Paul concerning this runaway slave. And I know it, was, uh, it could have been really easy for Paul, the apostle, to use his title and go ballistic on them and, and simply say, I am the apostle and you need to do what Jesus have you need to do. But think about the collateral damage. Think about the damage control Paul would have to do in order to calm things down after he forced a decision on Philemon, right? They would look at Paul again and say, this Christian, uh, that uh, they are here trying to disrupt all the laws. But for us, the key is to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, and to guide us, that we must trust the Lord. Finally, are you confident enough in Christ to take on the burdens of others. Verse 17. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. Verse 19. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. To say anything, to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self, he says. There he goes. Verse 20, yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Why? By letting Onesimus go. In the great act of sacrificial love, Paul tells Philemon that whatever Onesimus has done wrong, to charge it to him. And somehow, uh, when this happened, accusations seemed to lose their power. Can you imagine if you, if you stood in a gap for someone else? That someone else was about to get in really, really big trouble and you stood in the gap. So you know what? You know what? Take it out on me. Leave this individual alone and take it out on me. Can you imagine how much power would be removed from that individual who wants to punish the other? But doesn't that sound familiar as well? Can't you imagine none other than Jesus saying the same thing when the sin charge was leveled against you and I? You know, when the devil tells God that you need to destroy brother so-and-so, you need to destroy sister so-and-so because they have sinned. And let me give you the reasons why. Right? Let me give you, here's my list, my encyclopedic, multi-volume list of all the things he or she has done. This is the devil. Why? Because he accused the brothers. Do you, wait a minute, do you realize that the devil right now is accusing you before God? Hello, are you there? Do you realize that the devil accuses you before God 
every day of the week when you sleep in your bed that the devil is saying they're, they're not worthy of your grace. They're not worthy of your mercy. Destroy them. Do you realize this? But every time that the devil steps in to accuse you and I that Jesus, that he intervenes and he says what Paul says to Philemon in verses 18 and 19. What does Paul say in verses 18 and 19? He says this. And this is, I believe, what Jesus says as well. If he or she has wronged you at all, Father, or owes you anything, charge that to my account. This is what Jesus says. Verse 19 says, I will what? Repay it. So Father, if this brother, this sister has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account and I can see the blood-stained hands of Jesus in his head with the crown of thorns and the blood that oozes out of his side and out of his feet. Uh, the blood covers us. Jesus says that if they have wronged you, charge that to my account. Can you say hallelujah? hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You see, Onesimus, he can't do it on his own. Why? Because he ain't got nothing. Onesimus, he doesn't have anything. What do you have do you think that you can give God for the offense that you have leveled against him? Do you think God wants your stuff, your car, your money, your job, your house, your, your kids? God doesn't want any of that stuff. He says, you offended me. I tell you what, a life for a life. But Jesus steps in and says, what again? Charge that to my account. And for that, we can say, thank you, Jesus. Onesimus had nothing. Because if he had something, he would have bought himself out of slavery in the first place and walked away. He had nothing. So the appeal to change one's mind should be because of the gospel. Verse 21. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. Paul said, you're going to do more. You, you get what I'm trying to tell you, Philemon, but I believe, I'm confident, I'm certain that you're going to do more because you know who you are in Christ, and now you know that your slave is also in Christ, so I know you're going to do the right thing. Do the right thing, Philemon. This letter was not about doing Paul a favor and letting his friend go. It all had to do with causing the gospel to move forward. See, there was no other reason for Philemon to do anything for Paul. There was no other reason other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we must understand that even when we are in church, we are here because Jesus Christ and his name's sake. But it is also clear, it's also clear that we cannot make a request like this to someone that doesn't know Jesus. So how do we help someone change their mind by appealing to the gospel when they don't know Jesus. Well, 
That's an easy one. That we need to first figure out how to get them saved. Amen? Other than that, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to work with us. But we need to figure out how do we, uh, how will God get them saved through us? You see? So, like anything else we engage in, it requires practice. Practicing the word. You just, uh, this, is, this is the reason why Philemon is here. You know, we could break this down in, in, in many other parts, but this is the, the thrust of this letter. Helping people make right choices by appealing to them through the gospel. Because the spirit of the Lord, he directs and guides us. So maybe the Lord is speaking to you through this message today. Because he wants you to begin to change your ways, how you figure out how to engage with people. The key is to open yourself up. I must open myself up to God's way of doing things. Why? Because he's calling us to do so. Engaging the heart through the gospel. With us it's easier. But yet, we must do so when God speaks to our heart. Amen? Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you for your strength. And Father, for all those things that we were not able to totally comprehend in the message, we pray that we will listen again and listen again until we finally get it because we know that you're speaking to our hearts today. So Father, have your way in our midst, Lord God. We pray that you'd forgive us of thinking that <clears throat> you have no other ways for uh, communicating with folks. Lord, have your way. We just bless you so much. Now with our heads bowed, we do ask the question, is there anyone in here that does not know Christ, that we present him to you today? Jesus Christ, he wants to save your soul. Is there one in here today that you say, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to believe in him. I want to turn away from the life that I've been living in sin, repent of it, and turn towards Jesus. Is there one in here today that say, that's me, that that is me, I am in need of salvation through Christ Jesus. Is there one? If there's one in here, lift your hand in there. We will pray with you. Is there one in here today? We will pray with you. Is there one? So, Father, again, we bless you. We thank you, Lord God, for your love and your mercy. May you continue to be the Lord of our life. Bless us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.